Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, our third episode of the week, and we are going to talk about the aftermath of everything that went on with the Bucks roster cuts. Of course, we talked about it a lot yesterday, but... That doesn't mean the Bucks were done. They still had to build out their practice squad where we got a lot of those names, almost the entire 16-player unit. We have 14 of those names. We'll talk about uh, a player that the Bucks cut that's signed with another team or was brought on by another team, I should say. And we'll talk about a little bit of what Todd Bowles had to say as we were at the facility. Open locker room was there, uh, available to the media, and we were there for practice. So, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is also from PeterReport.com, JC Allen. JC, how are you doing, my man? It was great to be at Open Locker Room today and uh, being able to get some FaceTime with the players in person. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was obviously, uh, my first experience, uh, been, they've been shut down since 2019. So it was nice to be able to get in there and talk to some of these guys one-on-one instead of being out in the hot sun, pulling them off the field after practice and yeah. kind of getting that some one-on-one time, building those relationships and uh, laying the groundwork for some uh, awesome content from you guys. We're going to have some awesome content from those press conferences or, or from those lo- from that open locker room and also from the press conference from Todd Bowles as well. So uh, it was a great day, you know. It kind of stinks we we're out of practice now, you know, thirty minutes in th- that, and, and they kick you out. But it's still nice to be out there and at the facility. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get to watch all of practice, but you know, the the regular season games are here, so there's still going to be a, a lot to dissect and and break down when when it comes to you know all of that matter. We already got a super chat, so let's just jump right into it. Leo with the $2 super chat uh, starting things off right. Thank you, Leo. He says to go from Brady to Mills is just brutal. And what Leo is referring to, we can get right into it is that Tyler Johnson probably one of the biggest surprises in the overall roster cuts yesterday other than Logan Ryan, but we know that Logan Ryan is coming back, so it's not like a total utter shock. So Tyler Johnson had to be one of those and of course Johnson was cut by the Bucks, and I think the plan originally was to bring him back onto the practice squad, but no, no, no. Uh, he's going to Houston, going to play for the Texans, which, JC, I think you had uh, pretty much predicted in one of your uh, Twitter spaces talking about the Bucs. Um, definitely an interesting move, but I'm kind of happy for Tyler Johnson in a way because I think he'll get more playing time with the Texans than he really ever would for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, they only had four wide receivers on their roster after cut down day. So they had the third yeah. overall waiver wire claim. It was an obvious fit. You know, the, a guy who's been able to make some plays in the league, uh, you know, 500 and some odd yards. He's racked up over the last two seasons. So it was an obvious fit. And when we are you know, someone asked me about about if they could get him back in the practice squad in, in my Twitter spaces, which you guys aren't on there yet. I do them usually every day, so hop on there. Um, follow me on Twitter and hop on one of those. Give you guys a chance to get up on stage and speak. But anyways, um, I, I said, hey, the Texans make a heck of a lot of sense. And sure enough, 12-something rolls around it, and it's announced. We're sitting in waiting for Bulls to come up, and boom, Tyler Johnson's the Texans. Tyler Johnson to the Texans. Everything is bigger in Texas. And, uh, you know, they usually say bigger is now. better. What's up? Said, including Davis Mills neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But JC, I do want to get your thoughts because obviously 
Scott and myself on yesterday's show. And to anyone that didn't watch yesterday's episode, I would recommend to uh, go back and watch it. A ton of great about Scott was Tyler Johnson, why Prashad Perriman was also, uh, you know, on this team as well, why he was chosen over Tyler Johnson. We get into a lot of great insight with that, the Grant Stewart trade. So I would definitely recommend all of that. JC, I do want to get your opinion, just your overall thoughts on the, the roster cuts, what stood out to you, if anything. But first, I do want to talk to you guys about Celsius, which, of course, is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And we love Celsius for multiple different reasons, starting off with the flavors. You can't go wrong. I'm rocking a sparkling cucumber lime, right? Also, the uh, strawberry lemonade, watermelon, uh, classic orange, kiwi guava, so many great different flavors, seven essential vitamins in the Celsius cans, and they give you that energy to get you through your day, whether it's a long work day, whether you're about to go and work out, make sure you're drinking a Celsius energy drink. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the vibes because the vibes are very high on this podcast and the vibes are always high when you're drinking a Celsius energy drink. They got the Arctic, Tropical, and Peach. I love them all. If I had to pick one, though, I would go with the Arctic vibe because it's like drinking a slushy. And make sure that you order these uh, off of Amazon. You can go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, uh, get it You know, every two weeks, three weeks. I would recommend the uh, variety pack because variety is the uh, spice of life. Or uh, you can go to the store locator and find out where there's a Celsius near you. That's Celsius Energy Drinks, Celsius Live Fit. JC, you are rocking the Arctic vibe, as I was just talking about. I have the sparkling cucumber, which I'm about to crack open in just a moment. While JC, again, tell me about your just your overall thoughts about the roster cuts that went on yesterday. Yeah, sure. I was surprised by Tyler Johnson. I understand the move with Tyler Johnson doesn't really bring any special teams. Uh, you know, he, he played the most snaps of any wide receiver in that third final preseason game, but only averaged two snaps on special teams, which was interesting. Most of most of it is just on on punt coverage. I mean, that's what what or that's what he does. Um, but it wasn't enough. So I understand it. I thought he separated himself enough as a wide receiver to make that spot. But as Todd Bowles explained today, you know, it's, it comes down to that fifth, sixth spot. And it sounds like Jalen Darden's the fifth wide receiver, that sixth spot. You got to be able to play special teams. And that's not something Tyler Johnson does on a regular basis. Other than that, I thought pretty much it was cut and dry. I mean, there wasn't, you know, the trade surprised me. I didn't know they were going to, I didn't yeah. think they'd be able to trade um, Grant Stewart. Uh, I figured he'd be, he'd be cut. Uh, in in you know order to get Olakan Olakan Fadokazi, <laughs> let's just go there. Uh, Fadokazi, um, and, and you know that that did happen. He made the roster, but they ended up getting value for him. I mean, they paired a seventh round pick, which they're getting a seventh round comp compensatory pick for OJ Howard, and they're moving up around in the sixth round. He was the last pick in the draft last year, and, and they got value for him. I was surprised they didn't get value for. Uh, Tyler Johnson, too, after the Grant Stewart trade was announced, I was surprised that a team didn't swoop into the last moment and offer a 2024th conditional seventh or something like that, that the Bucks would, you know, uh, would jump at, um, you know, and, and seeing that the Texans grabbed them in the third overall waiver wire claim, you know, there could have been teams behind him that put in claims, too, and none of them, the fact that no one wanted to offer a draft pick for him, that was interesting. And as far as Logan Ryan, I knew someone was getting cut. Um you know, my understanding of the contracts was, and I kind of predicted it would be Josh Wells or Giovanni Bernard. Going back, looking at it, 
I forgot that Logan Ryan, uh, Logan Ryan was getting paid from the Giants, so his contract yeah. had no guaranteed money in it. Or else I would have picked him because the most logical explanation is a veteran that has no guaranteed money. If they would have cut Josh Wells, they would have ate a million dollars guaranteed and then had to re-sign him. So it would have been like they signed him to two point whatever million is the veterans minimum. Same thing with Gio, who they gave nine hundred thousand to. They would have had to pay him that nine hundred thousand, then re-sign him to a deal that would have you know up what they're paying him overall. So I forgot Logan Ryan was getting that bank check from the, from the Giants in <laughs> New York, um, and it was the most logical option at that point because he wanted to come here a couple of years ago when Brady first got here, and you know that he's not going to go somewhere else. He wants to be here, so it, it was it's a you know wink nod handshake type move, and I'm expecting him to be, him to be back shortly here. Um, teams had to wait till four o'clock before they can add players to injured reserve. So we should be getting news on Jensen soon, probably going to injured reserve, and also the news that Logan Ryan will, is resigning, so he can be back on practice tomorrow morning. We will keep our eyes peeled and uh, our ears to the ground for that. Even though you know we got headphones on, so that's pretty much what our ears are uh, are hearing. <laughs> Do you want to give a shout out to Les? He says I bought a case of Celsius from Amazon. A great pick me up. Thank you, Les, for buying Celsius. It's a great, great energy drink. And Leo's back with another $2 super chat. This one goes specifically to JC. He says, JC, please record your spaces so we can listen back. Um, I'll do that. Just, yeah, there you go. A, a little, uh, a little we can um, get advice there for, <laughs> from Leo. If everyone talks up in the chat, we'll get Matt to join us tomorrow morning before uh, on our way to practice. What do, what do you guys think? Make some noise yeah, for we'll Matt see. to join us tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the other surprise really, and it's not like a huge surprise, but uh, a lot of people were upset about the fact that Devin Tompkins didn't make the team. And I don't think that's the end of the world. And we talked about it on yesterday's show, so I'll, I'll try to summarize it. Um, he's a smaller guy that's very quick, but the prototypical Bucks wide receiver is tall, lanky, that also has speed. So I think for undrafted rookie wide receiver, I still like, listen, he's not going to get any taller, unfortunately, but I still think you, you put him on the practice squad. He could develop as a receiver and <laughs> I would not be shocked at all. If he gets called up for a couple of different games this season and contributes on special teams, the, the book is not closed on Devin Tompkins. I very much think that he's going to contribute in one way or another for this team uh, for this season. Yeah, it's not going to get any taller, that's for sure. Um, but I think with Devin Tompkins, and a lot of people were, were upset about that, um, you know, and Jared Stearns, which it doesn't look like Jared Stearns is going to be brought back to the, to the practice squad at all. But as far as Devin Tompkins, you guys got to remember, he was an undrafted free agent. Um, the entire 32 teams passed over him multiple times in the draft. And not only that, he wasn't really given any... any um, you know, a signing bonus to sign with the Buccaneers either. So it's not like they had a, a large competition of, of teams that were trying to sign him and the Bucs had to open up the wallet just to bring him in here. Uh, yes, he showed flashes during those games and obviously uh, even more flashes in camp, but teams don't get camp footage. They just rely on PeterReport.com and other nefarious yeah. outlets to do the reporting and check those things, uh, check those those stories for guys who they might have fallen in love. But the thing about undrafted guys um, it's more likely that when you bring an undrafted guy to your team, you're going to be able to bring him back in the practice squad. Teams want to bring the guys that were, were with them the entire offseason rather than bring somebody new. 
Now, if he was a sixth, seventh round pick and a team was like was in love with him and you know they didn't get the chance to, to draft him because he went right before, that's more the reason when you see teams put in waiver claims, or if he's like a third year player, fourth year player, or you know, especially when it comes to signing practice squad guys, um, you know, that you really liked or you guys were high on. He didn't he didn't turn out in this system well, so they got waived on cut down day. But you're a coach and you're I can change him. He's just in the wrong system. Uh, that's when you <laughs> see those guys brought to practice squad and waiver claims. So I thought, you know, I didn't have him on my on my final 53 prediction because I figured as much that he'd probably make it through waiver claims. And, you know, I'm surprised more that he decided to come back. And Matt, we were kind of talking about this because you look at a team like the Bucks, which is so deep with their wide receiver core. They're seven deep on the roster, four deep with the with the starters. And there's teams around the league, the Texans being one of them, Cowboys who are mm-hmm. dealing with injury struggles, where he didn't say or or t- talk to his agent and reach out to other teams if, or decide that, hey, I'd like to go somewhere else where I might have an opportunity to, to crack a 53-man uh, roster sooner rather than later. But it just speaks to what – what he wants to do and the way he's developed and the way he feels about the Buccaneers that uh, he came back or he had no market. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the other possibility, but we don't know. But as we said earlier, we do know 14 out of the 16 players that are on the team. I will name the list right now. And I'm sure a lot of people right now can see who is uh, the player whose picture we just put up. Uh, Seemed to be a fan favorite. Yeah, a fan favorite. Saw uh, a lot of people tweeting at us when it was reported that this guy was making the team. But we'll get to him in a second. On offense, the players brought back onto the practice squad was uh, one the longest tenured quarterback in Bucks history, Ryan Griffin. Uh, Running back Patrick Laird, wide receiver Kalen Geiger, Devin Tompkins, as we just talked about. Uh, rookie undrafted free agent tight end J.J. Halland, offensive lineman John Mulchon. He, of course, is the insurance policy. Insurance policy, if uh, God forbid something really drastic would happen to the center position, particularly Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett, who we will be talking about in a little bit, and offensive tackle Dylan Cook. On the defensive side of the ball, the Bucks did a very nice job of splitting it seven and seven when it came to uh, <laughs> practice squad players. Uh, defensive tackle, Deidre Sanat. Also defensive tackle, Mike Green. Outside linebacker, Jannard Avery. Inside linebacker, J.J. Russell, who uh, I really liked. Yeah, you are really high on him. I, I never thought he was going to you know, take over Grant Stewart or Olakunle Fadukasi, but I did think, you know, I did, for himself, I thought he played pretty well. Don Gardner, of course, the man who... Had the interception and almost had an interception. Safety Troy Warner and uh, save the best for last. Defensive tackle Willington Prevalon. That is right. He has graced us with his presence on the practice squad and will stay in Tampa Bay. I know Scott Reynolds is extremely happy about that. Willington Prevalon, an A-plus name, a royal name, a regal first and last name. Back with the Bucks. On the defensive side of the ball, JC, uh, you published this story with the 14 out of 16 practice squad guys. Your overall thoughts on this group? Again, not too much of a surprise. I think Laird is a is a player that maybe played himself into a role because you know he only came onto the scene two weeks ago after Kenyon Barner went onto the injured reserve. But he's another guy that I think special teams wise could get called up for a game or two 
because of his special teams experience. But uh, give me thoughts practice. Yeah, Willington Prevalon said good morrow to, to the Buccaneers and said you may strike me down, but I shall rise from the ashes of the Phoenix and join the practice squad. <laughs> and he's going to bring... That's pretty good. Thank you very much. Uh, a lot of Game of Thrones uh, parties and references. Yeah. Uh, a lack and a lay. <laughs> um, but uh, I think with Willington Prevlon, with Dejan Sanat, and with Mike Green, they all kind of provide a, a, a few different things there. Um, you know, Willington Prevlon, it, he's a strong guy. Like, we've seen his strength and his ability to kind of bull rush and power people. Uh, Dejan Sanat's more of your backup nose tackle in case something happens to Vita Vea or Nacho. And then Mike Green has got an incredible burst and speed that we've seen in, in I mean, we did that pick six, Matt. Uh, yeah, so yeah. like on the defensive line situation, we'll start with the defensive side because Scott's not here. So I'll like, yeah. I'll channel my inner Scott and go with defense first. I thought those three additions, little surprised to see Benning Potowati not brought back. I thought he looked really good. Slimmed down, showed a lot more as a pass rusher, but you know, he's, this would have been his third year on the practice squad, and at some point you got to make a determination that, hey, let's see how we can develop Mike Green, Willington Prevalon in the second, and Deidre Sinat, obviously a former second-round pick. So let's see what we have in those guys. As far as linebacker, Jannard Avery was one of those – it was one of those trick things where Todd Bowles sent you that quote like, hey, we – we figured we'd rather have him now than have to look for him in the, in the middle of the season. Like, are you keeping him on the active roster? Are you not? He got me. I put him on the Bucks active roster. But he's back. 12 games starting experience last year. Seven and a half career tackles. Uh, sacks, I mean. He had another sack last year. So he's a veteran guy who can, you know, help you on teams if he's called up. And he gives you another guy as an outside linebacker to really um, – you utilize that on the scout team practices and stuff like that and, and, and a veteran presence in, in case you need a call up. And then JJ Russell, you've been high on him. He's looked good in the games. He's been outshadowed, overshadowed by uh Fadukazi, but I think he's looked really good and come a long way. So I, I really like that. Don Gardner had almost back-to-back picks in games. I, yeah. and I'll tell you one thing, my, I can't get too much into it. My wife works with the replay official that um, called that Miami Dolphins game. If that, if they had called that an interception on the field, it would have, it would have stood because there was un there was yeah. unsubstantial evidence to overturn it. They didn't change it, but I'm just going to say that he, he would have had back-to-back interceptions in the preseason game. It really came on as soon as he was off pup list. You know, I thought that was like the death knell for him. Undrafted guy. You're on a pup list. That's not good, but he's been making, He's been making plays in practice all training camp. He had interception off Brady, uh, a couple of PBUs, and he looked really good. So happy to see him there. Kyle McMichael, the guy they gave all that money to, just couldn't put it together, it seemed like. But And Nolan Turner. I've been a Nolan Turner guy since he was signed. 700, yes, career, <laughs> 700 career snaps on special teams in Clemson. He can play both spots. The uh, You know, you talk to Logan Ryan, and you talk to Antoine Winfield Jr. and Coach Bowles, and they all have glowing praise for him. Hmm. Bowls with glowing praise for a safety. Haven't seen that before. <laughs> but I think all three of those, uh, all three of those guys spoke volumes of what Nolan Turner can bring in. Bringing him back in the practice squad will help him continue his development. And on the offensive side, I think John Mulchin was a given, especially with the injuries to these guys. Third year in the practice squad, he can play center, he can play guard. Uh, I, I, you know, really like that addition. Uh, Dylan Cook really surprised. I thought he got better and better starting from rookie minicamp all the way into the final game. 
former quarterback at Montana, switched to tackle, and he's really been coming along. Gives him a nice developmental tackle to work with on the practice squad. So I was really, I actually got asked about him this morning. Really, really like that signing back there. Kalen Geiger and Devin Tompkins, what's to say? They both make plays. They're both small, but they both can make plays. Devin Tompkins has been utilized on special teams. He gives you that backup. Something happens to Darden. Uh, we heard Bowles say that Miller is the backup punt returner, kick returner, but you've got another guy there as well. And we saw him out there today take those punt return, kick return reps in practice. And there are special teams and stretching period that we get to watch. <laughs> so shout out to uh, shout out to Shane here. He says, JC, you have really impressed me since you've been at PR. Keep up the good work. So uh, very, very kind words for JC there. There is someone that is not on the practice squad yet that I actually did want to talk about, but uh, TYT or Ty T. Um, was asking about this guy. Did they bring Andre Anthony back to the practice squad? They have not yet, and... It doesn't seem like they're going to. Yeah, I mean, there's two more spots, but I do question this one a little bit for the fact that he played very well uh, in the preseason. He had a sack in back-to-back games, two games in a row. Um, We talked about it before. He was a little bit slow at the beginning of training camp, but again, he turned it on. He got a sack against Tennessee, and then notched another one against Indianapolis. I think some people, because Grant Stewart made the team when he was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant last season, that they think like just because you got drafted means you're going to make the team. And that is like if you're a fifth rounder on, there's it's not a guarantee that you're going to make the team. Uh, Fifth rounders obviously have a much better chance than a seventh rounder. But let's remember, Andre Anthony was drafted – in the seventh round, he was coming off a major, major knee injury. And I, I, probably one of the only reasons that he's even like considered to potentially make the practice squad is the fact that Cam Gill got injured and obviously yeah. is going to be out. So he moves up the depth chart that way. And he did he did play well in the game. So you can't deny having two sacks and two canes, you know. But he is that prototype, in my opinion, just from watching him. He is that kind of similar player to Cam Gill in the sense of that he's pretty fast. He's got a high motor. He'll hustle. Um, if he wins on that on that first step, he can get into the backfield. But he's That's still it. just very, very undersized. So if, if the tackle is stride for stride with him, he doesn't really have that much of a chance. So if Carl Nassib and, and Jannard Avery don't get you know picked, then... Yeah, maybe he does make the practice squad, but I'm sorry, I shouldn't say picked, signed, I should say. But, you know, Nassib obviously will be the fourth outside linebacker on this team. And I do think he'll get snaps on defense. I, I think he'll play an important role. And with Avery coming in, they they obviously chose him over, you know, uh, over Andre Anthony to take that spot. There's still two more positions, so we'll see. But uh, it seems like the Bucks are pretty much good to go at outside linebacker. I think that's one of the stronger overall groups that they have. Um, so I, I hope Anthony ends up somewhere else because I, I do think he does have something to offer for this team. But it's tough to sign with the Bucks when they're just absolutely stacked at outside linebacker. Kind of saw it with wide receiver too, where that group's so good that Tyler Johnson is already on another team, and that's why they're keeping you know two guys on at wide receiver on the practice squad and potentially three. If Stearns comes back, it's a uh, it's game of numbers when it comes to outside linebacker. And Anthony, unfortunately was the odd man out. Right. And I think you, the comparison you made to Gil was kind of spot on, you know, early Gil, I think Gil showed enough 
improvement this year in strength. I mean, that sack, you got to bull rush the guy right into the backfield and then utilizes his speed to get to the quarterback. But I think that's exactly what he's a down and distance guy. You can, if he can beat you with his first step and then his speed, he can get to the quarterback, but that's about it. And you're exactly right, Matt. Grant Stewart is the outlier of seventh-round picks. Yeah. You go back to the last three years, Chappelle Russell, Raymond Calais, Chris Wilcox, Andre Anthony, seventh-round picks, didn't make the roster. So it's not like – I mean, Khalil Davis, a sixth-round pick, didn't make the roster. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's a tough situation. Sixth, seventh-round picks – you have to really show out. Cole Keith was a six-round pick. He showed out um, to really make the roster. I don't know if he did enough early on or, or was consistent enough or versatile enough in, a, in his skill set to be able to, you know, make crack this special. I mean, he was under the impression that he thought he might be back um, on the mm. practice squad, but they decided to go a different route. They didn't bring back Elijah Ponder either. I think they feel really comfortable with the four they have. Um, Anthony Nelson, I don't think, has gotten enough love for what he's been able to do, even through preseason games. Uh, but last yeah. year... And I think they're really strong, as as you mentioned, at that position. So another guy they brought back on the practice squad, J.J. Howland. He was one guy, Matt, I thought if, there, if someone was going to get claimed on waiver because we know the tight end position is such like a either got one or you don't. You got a room or you don't. And he, yeah. he really showed up all camp and, and had that big catch in the Titans, uh, the Colts game. But, yeah, I, I think, like you said, they got two more spots. We'll see what they do. Do they bring in a kicker? Do they bring in an interior lineman? Do they bring in a cornerback? Um, and are any of those guys veterans? Because they have two more spots for veterans on the team as well. Or practice squad. JC, you, you mentioned like being spot on, which thank you for saying that. Um, another thing that you really want to be spot on with is if you're picking your team for underdog fantasy, especially if it's for best ball mania three and they're $10 million in prizes that you could win by playing best ball mania three, you have up until next thursday to pick your team ladies and gentlemen not tomorrow the following thursday and of course underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football you draft your team with no in-season management get the optimal score each week of the season and keeps you in the running for that uh, 10 million dollars in total prize money Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the app store now and sign up with the promo code pewter Underdog will match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy promo code Pewter. Draft your best ball Mania 3 team today, matching it up to $100. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can figure that out. So you have the best ball Mania 3 there, but you also have the Pick'ems and the Over-Unders and your own personal leagues that you can do as well. The Pick'ems are so much fun. I enjoy doing them. Um, It's the easiest way to get some action in the NFL with these pick them games, you just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Again, pick between two and five players, fill out your pick them slip, get every pick, right? Take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code pewter. Get your first deposit. Like we've mentioned up to $100 by playing with underdog fantasy. And, we have the Pewter Report Underdog Fantasy Leagues coming up very soon. I know Scott is going to be drafting next Wednesday. Uh, I'm still figuring out the date that I'm going to be doing it. But if you guys want to play, just send us an email. Uh, you can hit up Scott at srpewterreport.com. You can hit up myself at matt at pewterreport.com. I've been getting some emails. I have seen them to those watching that reach out to me. I have seen them, and I will be getting back to you 
uh, after this show today. So if you want to play against us, uh, we'll play it on Underdog Fantasy, promo code Pewter. Uh, if we want to do some side bets too, I'm 100% down with that. So again, uh, use the promo code Pewter. You want to play against me or Scott or JC, just let us know and we'll get it rolling. It's going to be a lot of fun. Josh Capo was in our league last year, Pewter Report, a colleague of ours, and I believe he won it, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to fact check yeah, him on that. He cheats. He's got like an algorithm that he puts in because he's good with Excel and everything, predicts fantasy points. I mean, he's still yeah. got to draft him. But Matt, you're speaking of all this money and this cash. And I just got to say, shout out to Leo again for another super chat. You Thank know, you, Leo. Bringing us that money and saying, you know, I think this is the biggest concern most fans have right now, Maddie, is the O line. Um, getting some O line depth and not just depth, guys who have played and guys who have starts in the league. What's your take on the O line? Are you comfortable with Hainsey and with with Gedeke or or do you want to see them add? We saw that uh, Bull said that you know they'll look at the waiver wire and guys who are out there. No moves were made on the waiver wire. I asked him about that today. Um, but what what is your take on the offensive line? Are you in panic mode yet, or do you think we need to wait and see? I'm not in panic mode because we spoke to Coach Bowles today, and he pretty much said that both of them are fine, and I'm even more non-panicking because we were out there at practice today. We saw Hainsey. We saw Leverett. They both look pretty good. They were moving around fine. Uh, if you check out Peter Report's Twitter or social media, uh, we post some pictures of both of them out there. Uh, they were participating in all of the offensive line uh, drills that we were able to see. So it looks like they kind of dodged a really tricky situation there. So overall, I'm okay with the depth if they can stay healthy now leverett i think that'll be easier because he's not going to be starting so um you have your backup center right then and there i just think really ultimately the issue comes down to is teams don't give up good offensive linemen you know you don't you're not cutting a guy that's going to you know go and and uh protect your quarterback who's the most important player in the game of football so you know, from what we've seen and what we've talked about, what everyone is saying, like Hainsey, while he's not Ryan Jensen, is doing a very good job at center. I guess there's a little bit of concern. There is some concern because, you know, he was quote unquote carted off in that one practice, but it turned out it was it was just a minor thing. It was dealing with the heat in Tampa. And I don't really blame him for that. And then the injury that he sustained in the game uh on Saturday against the Colts. He got blocked into like he was he was doing his thing and then got blocked into. So I can't really fault him for that. You could also argue that last season he missed the beginning of training camp. It was injured. So if you want to make the injury prone case, I guess you really could. But if Hainsey's healthy, I feel I feel fine with him. It would be more get a key than I'm concerned about with the offensive line, just because not everyone's going to have the rookie start that Tristan Wirfs did. Obviously, I'm talking about the right tackles. A little bit different situation with with Gedeke as as a left guard. It's not always going to be the same trajectory because Tristan Wirfs is, you know, one of the goats at, at offensive tackle. Right. So that would be more of my concern there. We do have two more super chats, uh, both with similar situations. Asking about Ryan Jensen. First one, a five dollar super chat from Foxy Rose. Thank you, Foxy. They say, did you guys ask to call Coach Todd or what? Uh, I don't really get that point. Do you guys also think that Jensen's situation is a little weird or what? Hashtag 
go Bucks. I usually coach. I usually call Todd Bowles coach, and sometimes I'll call him Todd. He yeah. answers to both. So until I'm told otherwise, I think I'm just going to call him either Todd or coach, depending right. on it's... what what the mood is that day. Uh, we have another five dollars super chat from Les, who says, "Any guess what game Ryan Jensen could be back?" So let's focus on the Jensen situation because Jason, you actually asked Todd Bowles about this, or Coach Bowles, depending on how you feel. Uh, you asked Bowles about this today, where um, you know he gave a response to if there's an update, and essentially why isn't there an update? Because you know this injury happened the first week of training camp, and we still don't have an answer. Right. And he said they're still waiting for the swelling to go down. And I get some of the times these injuries can take a while, but swelling hasn't gone down in almost five weeks, Matt. I think there's there's a little bit more to this story. But, you know, after he asked that, I had to bring up the fact that when Aaron Stinney went down with an ACL MCL, we knew the next day we knew that next day that he was on going on IR. So why, yeah. what's with the lengthy time process? And he gave us that swelling, you know, issue and pretty much said, you know, we're going to wait he wanted to wait we wanted to wait the training staff wanted to wait a little bit longer to see what could be done and it's either going to be good news or it's going to be bad news i continually you know me i'm always the optimistic i continuously think that there's going to be a possibility for him to return uh so the second part of that question i would not expect him back be anytime before the Bengals game or cardinals game in december if he can come back at all um, I, I I was going to say uh, maybe Christmas against the right. Cardinals because it'd be a gift a- to, to all the Bucks fans. <laughs> but I, I think that's a timeline. And it sounds like from what Bull said, it's not something that's going to need surgery. It's something that might is probably going to have to heal on its own. And we'll see how that process goes, which is why they want to put him on IR because you never know. There could be setbacks anytime. They don't want to come out and say, yeah, he's going to be back by December. Yeah, he's going to be because you never know what could happen in between now and December. But I think they're leaving that possibility open. And with the rules, the way they are with IR, with being able to return, you know, eight guys on IR, you know, after a four week stint, that gives them that flexibility. Put him on IR. He's on IR. We don't have to talk about him anymore. You can't come back for four, at least for the first four weeks of the season. Well, it's a moot point. We can't bring him back now anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of bring, brings him some wiggle room. But like I said, we should be seeing that announcement anytime now that he's going on IR. Did see him today at, at One Buck Place. He was sitting in the cafeteria laughing, chopping it up with his friends. So, um, you know, his friends, his fellow offensive lineman. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> He's, he's at the he's at the lunch table with his friends. So uh, you know, everyone it seems like everyone's in good spirits, and it's just a wait and see, Matt. It's just a wait and see, and that's what we're gonna have to right. do. Just wait and see. And I don't really have an issue with the like prolonging making an announcement because you know it's still not gonna be until November, December, January, anyway, to begin with. So it's not like will he be ready for Week One or something like that. Kind of like Chris Godwin, who I'll get to in a moment. But I do want to give a Big thank you to football fan. You know what, football fan? I'm a football fan too. Thank you so much for the 9.99 super chat. They say keep up the wonderful work. I enjoy listening to all of you with a smiley face. Thank you so much. I enjoy reading your comments. You're a very kind person. Uh, We also have oh sorry, go ahead. Another super chat too from Steve Munoz, who's uh, shout out Cali, Cali. Yeah, bro. Originally, bro. So where you at? Where you from? (laughs) 
if if Levante gets into the ring this year in a Pro Bowl, what are the chances he gets in the Hall of Fame? Why can't Rondé get in? I'll leave my reservations on Rondé alone. But you look at his stats, Matt. They stack up next to anybody that's played the game. And I think it's going to be a situation where he's definitely not a first, maybe second ballot, but maybe somewhere he's he's teetering on there like um, who's the Dolphins linebacker? Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. Yeah. Zach Tom- I think Zach Thomas gets in. It's just a matter of when. Uh, and I think that will kind of be the same deal with Levante. Uh, and then also, of course, it matters when he retires and who's going up against if he decides to retire this year uh, after this season with Tom Brady. And if Gronk comes back and Gronk retires, there's no way Levante is getting in there going with Gronk. And, and, but I think he's got the shot. Yeah, he definitely has an opportunity. And of course, one of the you know running themes for Levante David is that um, you know he never gets the notoriety that he deserves. And a lot of that was because the Bucks. Didn't have winning teams, so he's not playing on prime time. He's not playing in the big games. You don't get to really watch him nationally because they didn't make it into the playoffs. And then finally, Brady gets in here, and uh, you know people start taking a lot more notice of Levante David. One guy that's really been banging the table for Levante David, and he is a Nebraska Cornhusker, so it makes sense, is uh, Will Compton, who, you know, former NFL player with Washington and Tennessee, and play for the Raiders as well. He's obviously got the uh, the podcast Bustin' with the Boys, which is a pretty awesome. awesome podcast if anyone listens to that. But he all the time is like, you know, Levante David is underrated. He's not getting, you know, the praise that he deserves. And I agree with him because Levante was the top-notch player on a defense, on this defense for a very long time and still is. And I think we're getting a bounce back year from Levante. Not that he was bad, but he just wasn't the, you know, playing up to standard Levante David that we've all expected. And we talked about this a lot, that it's the, you know, a lot of it was the the foot injury that he went through, but I think fully healthy, he's been flying around. You saw it with the sack against, yeah, exactly. And he missed some time too. So, I mean, you saw it with the sack against uh, the the Colts on Saturday. I think we're, we're in for a great Levante David season. And yeah, if he has another one of a hundred tackles, you know, a couple more turnovers this year, I think he's had pretty much close to a Hall of Fame career, but I agree. It's not going to be a first or second ballot type of thing. It's got to be a year, unfortunately, where there's not as many headlining candidates. Like even last year's, or sorry, like this year's, um, you know, Hall of Fame class isn't like the most top notch that it was compared to other years when Manning went in the year before that, or, you know, whoever whoever you want to mention it. It wasn't as great as some of the other hall of fame classes that we've seen and that's kind of when levante needs to get I, his way in there i think what's helping levante too is that the production hasn't dropped off right in 2020 yeah. even last year like i said 300 i mean three tackles away from 100 the production with a good quarterback and when the defense isn't on the field because turnovers and because of an offensive play and, you know, the defense is having to play for longer extended drives, you're still seeing the same playmaker. You're still seeing the same guy for the most part. And I think now with the national attention on him, you go back and look at those seasons, compare it with the seasons with a guy like Tom, who's going to, you know, make plays, keep the defense off the field for extended time, extended drives. He hasn't dropped off. And that's going to help him a lot as well. Yeah, you can't, you can't deny, like, longevity, you know, when – when you're doing it for as long as he has, especially at that position, I think it deserves 
a lot of credit. But, you know, another guy I just mentioned him before, another player that we don't know if he's going to be playing week one. Uh, that's Chris Godwin. And he was practicing today, but he was, again, in a non-contact jersey. The part of practice that we see, they weren't running offensive or defensive drills. It was mainly special teams. So he was kind of like running on it, on his own a little bit, but probably was participating with the team like he has been in uh, recent weeks. But here's a video of Chris Godwin warming up, doing some, you know, different things to test out that knee, doing some like running and, and jumping. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know if we have any doctors in this chat, but, uh, you know, when he's jumping, he's landing on on that knee. So uh, here's some Chris Godwin just warming up, testing out his injury. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and like I said, I'm not a medical professional, but he's getting closer and closer. I think it was important that he was out there or continues to be out there. I should say this is the first time that we've seen Chris Godwin out there. But, um, you know, he was participating. Russell Gage was participating, which was very important. He obviously missed a lot of time with uh, with a little hamstring tweak that went on. So it was good to see them out there. We obviously talked about Hainsey and Nick Leverett. Uh, they were participating. The only guys that were not were Giovanni Bernard, who hasn't been, and Zion McCollum, who obviously is, is injured as well. Uh, shout out Fight Forward Productions says, I'm a doctor, definitely not broken. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> but um, I think it is oh, good to know. see. It's good to see, though, JC, that relatively – the Bucs are getting healthier with Dallas coming up on the schedule next week. It's nice to see that right now going into it, obviously the whole Godwin thing is going to be the number one thing to monitor, but Hainsey looks like he's on the up and up. Same with Leverett. And it's really just Zion McCollum and Giovanni Bernard. Bernard is already like, you know, running back three anyway, just a third down running back. But you kind of cancel that out with Rashad White, what he's going to do for this team. And McCollum was already going to be, at best, the fourth corner on this team. So I think overall, the main guys that you want to be healthy are overall healthy, with the exception of, of Chris Godwin. And I think that's great for a team that is where if they just be healthy for all 17 games, they're going to be good and going to have a very great record, whether it's 12 or 13, if you checked out the PR roundtable. But either way, I think health, Health is is or eleven if it's not. <laughs> yeah, or eleven not, if yeah. It's but no, I, I think you know you're right. This team is starting to get healthy at the right time, and you know Chris Godwin, as we saw, he's he's been looking good. He's been taking slight contact above the waist. Um, you know when he, he caught that screen pass in practice a little while, uh, a couple days, a couple practices ago now, um, and kind of worked his way through some traffic there, and he's been. He's been good, but we asked him again. We asked Bowles again, is he going to be ready for week one? And Bowles didn't sound optimistic. I mean, he continues to say, not until the doctors give me the go-ahead. I can't make that decision, and he's just running around right now. Those are his words today. So, 
Yeah. You know, and, and he mentioned, I wrote an article about this is with an injury like Godwin's, it's different than an injury. If he, if it was a non-contact injury, if it was a non-contact yeah. injury in the back of your mind. You're always worried about planting your foot and, and something happened, you know, could this happen when I'm cutting? Could this happen? Then with a contact injury, you need to take that hit. And then, as Bull said, once you know you're okay, then you're okay and you go. But until he takes that hit, there's no way of knowing how he's going to respond to it. So, you know, the, the goal is right now is to get him to that point where he's comfortable. The doctors give the okay to take that hit. And once he does, we'll know from there. And like I mentioned in the article, it'll be interesting to see if when the doctors give him that go-ahead, maybe they do a live tackling type, you know, uh, portion of practice. We won't be able to see it. Just to get him that hit, you know. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they would do that because that's pretty <laughs> risky, and they don't right. normally do it. So, I don't think they're going to run a live tackling practice for one guy. But for anyone that didn't see Todd Bowles' comments about Chris Godwin uh, the day after the game against the Colts, we'll just play it again for anyone that missed it. Here's Bowles talking about Chris Godwin and what's going to take for him to to be back. He's healthy and he's a hundred percent, and they give me full green light. You got to go. I think with an injury like that, you're never going to know until you get hit below the waist. You know, you can get hit, knocked around in practice, but that's all upper body for anybody that comes back from any one of those type of injuries. Until you get hit below the waist in the knee or in the leg and you bounce up and know you're OK, you won't know you're going to be OK. Whether it's week one or week 10, it's going to feel the same until you get tackled. So we'll wait and see when Clarence is 100 percent and when that's hundred percent, you know, he still has to take the hit. He understands that we understand that. And that's just the way football has been played. So, you know, hopefully he's okay. If, when he takes that kind of hit and we can move on from there and he knows he's okay and we'll move on. I mean, he's working in, he's working in the practice and everything. Again, you don't know unless you get hit on that leg, how good you are, how good you're not. We're just going to take it day by day, still in the brace. The doctors are still monitoring him, and we're just monitoring his progress right now. We're not trying to rush him. He'll be ready when he'll be ready, but we'll be glad to have him out there when he is. They Thumbs say, yeah, it does sum it up. They say that health is wealth, and the best place to manage your wealth is with the Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Computer people, you got to get out to Colorado. We had some West Coast people in the chat already from Cali, and Colorado's not crazy far from there. But uh, when you're managing your family's wealth, go to Muni Financial because it's simply more than just allocating your assets. Pewter Report trusts Muni Financial with our investment and retirement funds, and you should trust them too. Call 1-800-868-6864. Talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you all about the different kinds of services that they have. There's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts. Tom Brady might need that uh, sooner rather than later. College savings accounts and more. Once again, go to 1-800-868-6864. That's the number to call and get started with the Muni Financial 
today. A couple other interesting things that Todd Bowles said today, which was, again, the first open locker room day as well. We'll get to that in just a moment. I thought it was cool. Bowles, uh, I had asked him about which positions were the toughest to make a decision on. Obviously, he said wide receiver. That wasn't really a surprise. And he said inside linebacker was the other one. And he essentially said with Olakunle Fadukasi that he took the position by storm. Like he forced his way onto this team just by what he did, uh, you know, in practice and in the games, obviously leading the team in tackles, especially that Tennessee game where he had 10 tackles and a sack and a half. So it's cool. Anytime an undrafted rookie free agent makes the team, it's pretty cool to see. But uh, that was one of the takeaways from Todd Bowles. I don't know if there's anything else specifically. There is one more thing that I thought was cool. But, JC, I don't know uh, your thoughts on what Bowles had to say today. You know, I'm going, I'm looking at it right now, the transcript, um, and just yeah. kind of piecing through it. The Jensen, the Jensen news was, was I feel like circling back to that because he kind of left it wide open. He said, they're different injuries. It could heal, and he could have some very good luck and possibly be ready at the end of the year, or it could go the other way, and we'd eventually have to put him on IR. The eventually have to put him on IR jumps out at me, Matt, because the, the expectation is that he's going on IR, like today, to open up that spot for Logan Ryan. But eventually going on IR, it, it's, it leaves it open to so much interpretation from him. What do you mean eventually go on IR? You mean he's not going on IR today? So there's a chance that he could come back week five? I know that's probably outside of the realm of the possibility here. But just I thought that was interesting. And also his thought process of, you know, waving Tyler Johnson, uh, saying, you know, because of the special teams. And, and I know we touched on that before. But, you know, shout out Greg Allman, who does – guy researches things like crazy he just tweeted a couple minutes ago that Brashad Perriman's only had six career special team snaps yeah. in his career. <laughs> so you know that's kind of interesting and sometimes I feel like sometimes these coaches you know can contradict themselves and get caught up in the in, in the conversation and lose things but um you know I don't know those two things right there certainly have a lot of room for interpretation as far as eventually putting Jensen on IR and the reason they cut someone was because of special teams when he pretty much said Scotty was going to be a backup punt returner, kick returner, and Brashad Perriman has only had six career snaps. So those things kind of looking back <laughs> at it, thinking back, kind of stand out to me like, wait, what? Um, yeah, that definitely, definitely a little interesting there. Here's the full quote from uh, Todd Bowles talking about waving Tyler Johnson. He said, that's tough. Again, we have a lot of receivers, and when you get down to a fifth and sixth receiver, Jalen Darden returns punts and kicks, and Tyler Johnson was the sixth receiver to dress on Sundays. He got to be able to play special teams and uh, contribute. He's a great pass receiver, very good catcher. He can catch the ball. He's a very good player, but no special teams value. Once you get down to the past top four and five, you got to have more value than just catching the football because you won't dress on Sundays. You know, that was a big reason behind it. We felt BP, Rashad Perryman, can do a lot of things on special teams. We feel Scotty can do some things as well. So that's what it came down to. And then talking about Scotty's role on special team, as you mentioned before, JC, uh, probably backup punt returner and kick returner. Obviously, he can run down on the kickoff, and he has played gunner before, so he does have some value. But it is very, very interesting that <laughs> that Perriman only had six career snaps. Maybe he's doing a lot. No, maybe he's doing a lot there 
in practice that we just haven't seen. Uh, right. We did have open locker room today as well. And we're going to have a video later on our YouTube, separate from this podcast, just rounding up some of the, the sound bites that we got today from players such as Akeem Hicks, Scotty Miller, obviously. Uh, Cole Keefe was in there. A couple, a couple different guys talking about uh, you know what, what's to come up for practice. Nacho's in there as well. Nacho is always so entertaining. He had some really good things to say about Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, and Logan Hall. So we'll get to a little bit of that. But of course, everyone was talking about Scotty Miller, the fact that he's still here. How is he feeling? What was that whole process like? So we'll give you a brief snippet here uh, of Scotty Miller talking about just what the last 24 hours were, were like as he was on the bubble to make this team. I think so. I mean, from top to bottom, I mean, defense, offense, special teams, uh, we got a lot of really good players. So um, I think we're all just excited to see what we can do this year. Scotty, what was yesterday like for you? Um, it was uh, it was crazy. Uh, cut, that final cut day is always wild. You never really know what, how, how it's going to shake out, how it's going to go. Um, so really, I just tried to get my mind uh, prepared for, for whatever. Um, and uh, happened to uh, stick on the team here and make, make the team. So I um, was just really excited to be here, be a part of something special. Um, so just uh, just grateful. Yeah, he talked a lot about being grateful, how he's thankful to be here. And, you know, Scotty's a very appreciative guy. You know, he, uh, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He obviously understands his role on this team. And he understood that it wasn't, you know, 100% that he was going to make the team but again, I, I think the injury plays into it where pretty much you can wipe out last season because he didn't really get any playing time until the end of the season. I think we forget that Scotty can still be a deep ball threat on this team and can do some important stuff for the Bucks. It might just be more as a special teams guy this year, but I wouldn't rule out, you know, one or two bombs to Scotty Miller this season where, uh, you know, he's adding to Tom Brady's total uh, passing touchdown count, right? And we've seen him, <laughs> and we've seen him do end arounds too. Like we saw it in the in the Carolina Panthers game. You know, come out there and, and you know get the ball as a runner and and, and score a touchdown. Uh, we we've seen it in practice so far. Uh, you know, we we saw a little bit of that. What Bruce Aaron has been talking about that griminess, going over the middle, making that catch uh, on that big third down conversion um, against the the Titans. You know, um, so. He's tried to round out his game a little bit. Obviously, there's still some more coaching that can happen. Uh, you know, missing that block on on Saturday's game mm -hmm. against the Colts was something that egregious and you can't have happen. Let up a tackle for loss to Keyshawn Vaughn on your guy that you got to block. Um, but you know, he he can have a, a nice um, a nice niche role in this offense, whether it's being that deep guy or or you know there there can be certain plays drawn up to bring Scotty in the game and. I think when it comes down to it, when you look at the situation at that wide receiver room, um, you know, it's about trust with Brady. And I think Brady mm -hmm. still trusts him. He's made some huge plays, including the one that he'll be, that will go down in, in Bucks lore, that touchdown right against the half against the Green Bay Packers to give them that, that you know, lead, that, uh, that bigger cushion uh, in the NFC Championship game. Um, so, you know, I think that... Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman's a very underrated wide receiver. I know that he hasn't had much success since being drafted as a first-round pick, but the guy's got blazing speed. He's got a big body frame. He can get dirty in the blocking game, um, and he can do more than just run deep routes. So uh, I think you know that 
that game-winning walk-off that you and Casey were going crazy about in the press <laughs> press box last year gave Brady some trust in him too. And I don't I don't know if we we know Brady, you know, he dropped the third down conversion. Brady went back to him on the fourth down and he caught it, but maybe Brady doesn't trust them as much. And again, Tom Brady isn't the GM, isn't the end-all be-all, but as far as the targets he's going to throw to, he's been on the record for saying in the past, and I'll always bring this up, is if I don't trust the guy, you can put him out there, I'm not going to throw it to him. And maybe that trust kind of waned a little bit in Tyler Johnson compared to the fact that he's got more trust than the other guys and he doesn't sp- play special teams, although the other two guys don't really play yeah. special teams, brass tacks, and maybe that was part of the reason why they decided to go with Perriman and, and Scotty over, over the two. But Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not entirely sold on Brashad Perriman. I'm not very high on him. I think if you take out the the touchdown against the Bills, I mean, yeah, he made a couple of other, like, you know, two-catch games late in the Cyril season. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, like Cyril outplayed him. But, of course, you know, injuries always play into it. But with Scotty, I think, you know, the odds of him scoring a touchdown in a game are going to be like you can get great numbers with that. So might not be a bad idea to put like a little prop bet on a Scotty Miller touchdown this season. You can win even more money too. If you do something like, you know, over 40 yards and he catches like a 55 yard touchdown. And if you want to bet on a Scotty Miller prop bet, the best place to go and do that is with mybookie.ag. And of course the football season is practically here. I mean, tomorrow, first of all, college football started last week. And week zero, but week one is this week for college football. You got some good games on Thursday. Um, then, of course, like Saturday, you got a great slate. Uh, Oregon against, or sorry, Oregon against Georgia. You got Ohio State, who I absolutely hope demolishes Notre Dame. Uh, so- Sunday night, you got Florida State against LSU. So very exciting there. And then, of course, you got the NFL season coming up. And my bookie offers all new customers 100% match bonus on their first deposit, all the way up to $1,000. So if you drop a G, they're going to give you another G if you use the promo code Pewter. So even again, if you learn some more Plant City math, you can figure that out. Put it in $1,000, get $1,000 back. Uh, Use promo code Pewter to claim yourself a dollar-for-dollar match on your deposit. Uh, There's money lines, totals, and everything in between, especially the prop bet. Can't find looking for, build your own prop bet with my bookies prop builder, you could also place a parlay. Maybe, you know, if you're a Gators fan and a Bucks fan, do a parlay. Bucks, uh, yeah, Bucks Gators. If you're a Florida State fan and you think they're going to beat LSU, you could probably get good value there. Pick the Knolls and the Bucks as well. So you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Pewter and put in that Scotty Miller bet. Why not? You know, again, you can get really good value with it. JC. As we wrap up here, and again, we are going to be back on tomorrow at 4 p.m. It will be myself and JC again, maybe Kay Huddy in the mix. Casey Hudson might be joining us. Um, But was there anything else that we did not talk about that you want to address as we wrap things up here? Justin, I just think the interior line, um, you know, a lot's been made about it and you know, I was on a conference call with with some of the guys from CBS yesterday, uh, you know, like Phil Sims, Julian Edelman and Phil Sims said it so eloquently. Tom Brady doesn't run a four five, but he runs a four five in the pocket. And because he's never had that speed and that agility, he's he's transformed his his 
mantra and his mindset to be able to do things that we that we normally don't see from quarterbacks. His pocket presence, his ability to find the the open guy quickly and get rid of the ball quickly, his ability to stand in there, take a hit, and do, uh, deliver a dart down the field. I think that that has a lot to be said about this interior and the potential struggles. Yeah, we saw some rough plays from Hainsey and Gadecki, uh, or Gedeki, sorry. Uh, but as we move into <laughs> the regular season against Dallas and, and you know, there's a more concentrated game plan, um, I, I, I don't really – there's concerns, but they're not as high as I think other people have their concerns on the interior offensive line. And the fact that Hainsey was out there, his ankles were taped up, but they weren't taped up any more than normal. He wasn't wearing a brace or well, didn't have an extensive tape on one leg, on one ankle, then the other ankle. I think that bodes well for his availability and his being able to get on the same game plan. And, and that center quarterback exchange is so important. Um, and, and Brady's one of the best. And, and Brady will be able to make those help make those calls. We've seen that. And and that's something Julian Edelman talked about is, you know, he'll go up there and he'll Linda, Linda and negate a call and say, no, that guy's the mic and be able to, uh, you know, look at protection and see, you know, Joey Bosa coming on one side and, and switch that protection over to that side to give him extra time. And and there's got a, there's a lot to be said about Brady and his, his veteran quarterback savvy that has been doing this for so long to know and to be able to buy himself that extra second or half a second in the pocket to deliver the strike. So uh, we got good news on the offensive line today. Uh, You know, we got good news over the weekend about the offensive line and it continues to keep rolling and call me one who's concerned, but very mildly concerned because Tom Brady is a starting quarterback for this team. So I just want to kind of – I saw a bunch of comments in the chat about the O-line, so I just wanted to – Well, that's why I feel good about the O-line. If you go back to, you know, Saturday's game, like Brady was getting the ball out so quick. It's like it almost didn't matter if the offensive line was losing their reps. And it wasn't like these were – you know, some of them were short, you know, four-yard passes. But then, same thing. He had the ball for like a half a second was throwing it 20 yards down the field to Julio Jones for a completion. So they're still going to be able to run, you know, all the styles of types of offenses that they want to run. And I would like to see them push the tempo a little bit more with that, uh, you know, like the no huddle, keep it moving. Uh, Cause I think they work really well when it comes to that situation. Do you want to give a quick shout out to Jeremy? I apologize if I mess up the last name. Uh, Peleas Low, shout out Jeremy. He just tweeted at us a couple minutes ago that he's watching. Thank you so much for watching, my man. Really appreciate it. And appreciate everyone that is watching and listening to this show. Appreciate everyone in the chat. And thank you to Steve. Another super chat. He says, Bucks win the Super Bowl this year. Build light a statue. Hey, if he wins another one, why? I'm four. Why not? <laughs> Him and Tom be holding hands or something like that. Yeah, and Bruce in there and Todd Bowles would be like a you know a, a big uh, yeah a big, a big group the photo. <laughs> but in the meantime, just want to remind everyone to please like and subscribe. We have the podcast on here. We got podcast clips. We have one about uh, Scotty Miller yesterday and of course we're going to have other videos from press conferences and inside the locker room so make sure you check out everything on pewter report tv and like i said we'll be back tomorrow at 4 p.m myself and jc potentially casey hudson as well so for jc allen i'm matt matera saying thanks everyone for watching we'll see you tomorrow
for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.